This is the Breakthrough Artists with CJ Lloydworth. We are here today with the amazing Ben Amana, who is the founder of Box Raw. You know how we do on this podcast. We just like to meet with amazing entrepreneurs and just see how they came to do what they do and how they got onto this entrepreneurial journey. So without further ado, I'm going to ask you, Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become the founder of a Forbes uh, enterprise? Um, it is Forbes. What did I say? 30... Back in the 30, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. I Amazing, man. And also the 35 West, West Midlands under 35, because that's how I got in touch with you. Because oh, yeah. That oh. List, so, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself first and, and how you did get into to uh, creating this amazing enterprise. Yeah, um, so I've been boxing since I was 12 years old, right? Um, I mean, the very short sort of story how I came about to actually launching the company, um, there was this sort of trigger pivotal moment. Um, it was following the failure of, the, of a previous business I was working on. Uh, I was distraught. I was working on this business for like a year and a half with two other co-founders. And then five days into launch, they both said they wanted to uh, stop shop and uh, to try and find other jobs. And I was so I was so annoyed at the time, man. I, I remember I was... I was training for a fight at the time. And, you know, this is probably like within five days after. We're in down the street in this Adidas tracksuit. I remember just thinking, I want people to know I'm training for a fight, right? I was proud to box. I just, it just, it was just, so I remember it was such a pivotal moment. And the more I was thinking about it over the next few days, I just recognized that there wasn't a boxing brand, you know, out there that at least represented boxing how I knew it to be, right? The brands that came before us, they just focused on the end result of boxing, you know, or, you know, the, the glamification of the sport, you know, the prize prices. They didn't really focus about the journey. You know, it was more about the boots, gloves, shorts. But to, to me, it was the journey to get to that point. You know, the lifestyle of the sport that was really what was most beautiful to me. You know? um, and I recognized, you know, it, this was a business I needed to be launched. You know, and just throughout time, from you know, from the age of twelve, what boxing had done for me and how I'd seen it change people's lives, both both me, kids in the street, you know, friends at university, post uni. I recognized that it was a sport that really had the power to change. Mm-hmm. You know. Not just physically, but emotionally. You know, the the court of tennis of a box raw, you know, it's built of it's built off the principles of boxing, you know, which is discipline, mindfulness, and love. You know, and it, it was very much that vision to be the reason why the world went to boxing. So how do we do that? You know, and it, the product's almost a byproduct of what we do. We're very much service driven, you know, our approach to our marketing, to you know, things we do outside of the actual business with the charity we've got. Um, and that was a sort of that was a tick moment, man. Amazing. And and so I just want to rewind a little bit to that that first business enterprise. Was that a business was that a boxing brand as well? No, that was a mobile phone app. So it's um <laughs> it was essentially Instagram stories. You know, it's but it was before Instagram stories, but um the, the premise was that if I said something to you, it would uh, only be viewed by mutual friends and it disappeared after 24 hours okay. uh, so it's quite a private social network but that was a principle but um i mean that was one business man if i told you every business that i tried my hands at i think um yeah you you would have told me to give up with the start of box you know, <laughs> friends from uni actually is straight after because i was bro, it's out for like a year and a half man you know, i was going in on it you know while we were building it telling friends about it getting them the beach testing um yeah and then you know five days in well, you know, five days in, we flopped. I didn't tell anybody, anybody. Ten days after that, I was like, right, work on the next thing. You know, not help and give it a rep. So, so, so that kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. Look, wow, that fight, I guess, isn't it to to succeed? That fight for, you know, uh, wanting to do something that was clearly deeply ingrained in you. That entrepreneurial, you know, mindset. Um, would you would yeah. you attribute that to? Would you attribute that to actually? being involved in boxing from an from an early age. 100% man 100% but boxing taught me to be a man right listen I was a little shit growing up okay <laughs> and I've bullied a lot you know growing up initially you know parents came from India they were Christian missionaries and moved to England in an all right all white Roman Catholic school you know so naturally I was the subject to a lot of bullying I can never really associate with the brown guys you know on the streets they were either uh, Muslim Hindu Sikh the white guys were all Christian and they they wouldn't accept me. So I was that is outsider. But at the same time I was always like quite a you know, a bit of a rebel. Um and I remember yeah, but for me boxing, it was you know, I was getting chased home most days from school. Um, just just stupid school kid bullying, man. Um at age twelve I was like, I need, I need to put a stop to this, you know. So there's a local um there's a free class at the boxing gym down the road from me. Um 
and I, I joined that class and instantly I fell in love with it. You know, and the bullying stopped. I was able to stand up for myself. Mm. What was more important was that I recognized after, you know, a few months of being there, this wasn't just about learning how to fight another guy, you know, pinch another guy in the face. It taught me the principles of discipline, you know, which when I talked about the principles of boxing, but discipline's the obvious one, right? And most people can understand that when it comes to boxing. But, you know, the notion of being in a boxing gym whereby you get told to do a certain thing in your own time, like road running, you're in shadow boxing, and you can see the results the week after. Like, you don't get that in school where instantaneously from taking a beating or lack thereof, you know that you've made progress, right? So you, at that, that young age, you start to recognize that, okay, this makes a difference, right? Work ethic. Now, you can't cheat the grind of boxing. It's so, it's so relentless and so it's very much based on the individual versus a team, you know, like a team sport that, yeah. that, that, that was my first real sort of understanding of discipline. And then, um, you know, when it comes to bouncing back, you know, it's, it's just the very nature of the sport, right? Is that, you know, I remember once, I was probably about 15 or 16, had a shit sparring session, man. I, I had my head taken off. And I remember just thinking, you know, I'm done with this. You know, why am I even doing this? You know, I remember my coach was saying to me, he's like, you know, you find a way to win the fight, okay? So you are going to get knocked down. We had these long, deep talks to me. Right? It stuck to me for such a long time, man. Yeah, about bouncing back. And yeah, boxing teaches you that, you know, without a doubt. You know, and then just to quickly touch on the other principles of boxing, that like mindfulness. It's the one that no one ever sort of associates with the sport, right? But, you know, the idea and concept of hitting a moving object while it's trying to hit you back, yeah. while you're protecting your head and you're protecting your body while moving your feet in sync with the upper body, it requires focus like nothing else, right? You can't think about the past, imagine the future. You have to be present in the moment, you know? And then, and then love, you know, from, from the from the point of view of my background, where I came from not really being accepted, the boxing gym was the only place that accepted me as a kid growing up, right? It didn't matter where you came from. All that mattered was where you were headed. And that's how they judged you. They judged you on your performance, you know, at training, your work ethic, you know, you, you just showing up and that was it. I'd see kids from the street who I was scared of from different gangs, right? Um, and I remember there was one guy I saw him in the boxing gym. This was at the age of 12. I was so scared. You know, I saw him in the boxing gym from a distance. Oh, great. He's also at this, uh, at this club. Um, and we were like best friends. You know, there was that mutual respect. And I never got, there anywhere, got that anywhere else. Yeah. And conversely, university, I started a boxing club. And it was a completely different cohort of people, right? Very wealthy backgrounds, um, publicly educated. Um, and yeah, for them, it was doing so much more than, you know, they weren't there to try and compete. At the same time, they were part of this collective whereby everyone was so focused on their own goals, but at the same time, so supportive of one another. And it was it was something that I never really saw anywhere else. So, you know, when it came to the idea, ideation of box for all, it was like I really started to recognize that this was more than this was more than just the sport. You know, it was it was a way to it, it taught you the principles of living, right? Yeah, it, it, it embedded in you, like you know, right, rightly, like you touched on. It's an attitude toward life boxing. You know, it really is a lifestyle. You know, it's just and now people are starting to see that in that. There's so many different dimensions to the sport. You don't have to compete anymore. You know, now you can get group fitness classes, box size classes, box fit. Yeah. I think there's, there's so many variations, but you know, the, the notions of principles of sport, they apply no matter what element you're in, right? Yeah. And that's, that was the, that was the moment, you know? So it's, it answers your question, has boxing helped? One in, one 100%. You know, it's, it's who I am. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that makes it so much more special though, isn't it? When you're, you're, you're pushing forward with a brand, not just because you want to have lots of people wearing your stuff, but because you want obviously people that resonate with the idea of having a holistic approach. Because uh, and that and in rightly you rightly said it, like particularly when people. I mean, I, I worked a little bit of boxing, not nothing crazy. I mean, I don't proclaim to be an expert or anything like that. Cause yeah, yeah, I had to learn. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sometimes when boxing matches are on, like the big ones, like everybody, everybody's an expert then, aren't they? But <laughs> especially at the pub. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing of, you know, you're leading with, it sounds like you just lead with your passion about the, what boxing can do for people. And um, so, so how much of that played a part when, actually, let me bring it back. So you, you had two Christian missionary parents. So, yeah, their stance on you doing boxing. At that hey, they, they, my mom didn't even know I boxed. She, she knew I went. To, she taught me to the boxing gym, right? Yeah. It was actually my dad that she, she didn't want me to go. She called on my dad, and I think it was like a few weeks before I was doing my paper round, um, and I got knocked out. I got just some kid punched me, and I came home with a fucking huge bloody lip. Right, mom was obviously shocked and blah blah blah. She thought I'd just do boxing for self defense, but 
when it actually, you know, push came to Paul, she was like against it. She called my dad off mm. at this point. Um, and he was all for it, but she was against us. Basically for the first, from basically the whole time, right? mom, even, mom never knew I competed. Mm. She just thought, she just thought I was doing it for fitness, doing pads and bags and so on. So she was completely against the sport. Um, that was all for it. But yeah, it's because both of them, like my dad wanted me to do it for almost the wrong reasons, right? He wanted me to be able to learn to handle myself. Whereas my mom was so scared about the sport, she just, you know, she, she was just against it, right? They both were completely unaware of the benefits of the sport. It wasn't until I got into it, I recognized that. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here, right? You know, but we're here to shift that perception and narrative around the sport of it being viewed as this elite sport where you have to partake to compete. You know, yeah, you have to compete to partake even. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, a, it's a big disillusion amongst most people still to this day. Now it's getting a lot more popularity, mm -hmm. but... There's still a lot of naysayers are saying, you know, why would I need to do boxing? I'm, I'm not aggressive. And it's actually, it's the opposite. It makes you way less aggressive. So you know how to handle yourself. You know, you don't want to put yourself in that position. It's like, you know, why would I do that? You know, but at the same time, I can walk with confidence. Mm. So what, what do you see the brand as more of a, a healthcare brand? In I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's like, you see it more as like, like an, uh, an auntie or an uncle can get involved in boxing and see the benefits from it and rather than it boxing having this stigmatization of being really aggressive and you know you have to fight people and i, I don't know what it's interesting I, i've never i've never thought about it like that in terms of healthcare i mean i suppose to some degree i mean when i think healthcare i'm thinking like pharmaceuticals right yeah um you know i, I consider it a lifestyle brand right. so i want box to represent an attitude toward life mm. that's what i want you know and it, nothing makes me happier than, you know, when I get messages or even from friends who I've known for ages, they're like, oh, I've just started boxing. I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, it makes me happy. You know, if you send me a message next week and say, oh, Ben, I actually just joined a boxing class, you know, it's going to make me happy. I've had that impact on people where they're, they're willing to try it. Mm. So what's what's the difference between, uh, say, just being in, in a gym, sparring, working out? What's the difference in mindset required to then going into that competitive arena? What's what uh is required in terms of preparation to kind of go from you know sparring training to actually going in because i've got i've got a cousin who's a boxer as well i'll talk a little bit but more about him in a bit but um yeah the the psychology i guess what's as someone who's competed yourself you know yeah it's different it's, just, it's a very good question right so the difference between sparring or you know doing intense training is that very much in the physical there's a huge mental element involved in that right but ultimately, when you're actually getting in the ring, you're putting it all on the line, right? In your training, you've always got the safety net. You know, it's like, when you, if you have a bad spa, you know, I'm mature enough, whereby if you have a bad spa, it's not personal to a degree. You know, it's, it's not personal to any degree, firstly, but it's not, you recognize that you're there to learn. Mm. When it comes to the actual fight, like, there's no second chance, right? And you've also got the world watching, you know, it's really competitors or, you know, friends and family watching. So your ego is also on the line. So this is where the mental aspect really comes in. There's something which is really hard to like talk about tangibly because how do you measure the mental stress that someone goes through? But it's more so that knowing that you, you know, you're doing something with a definitive end time, and after that, mm. that's that, right. You, you, you get, and we just launched a collaboration around this concept of 36 minutes, right? But you've got 36 minutes in a professional fight um, to be able to make it fair, right? And after that, you're done. So I think it, what's required more so in preparation for an actual fight is just the mental, the yeah. mental. I'm going through that camp and Merrick shirt. You know, injuries will come on. Okay, I've still got a fight. You know. Yeah, and I was I was thinking as well about if you know how because so naturally sometimes you you must get into a fight and be like, oh, this you know this guy's down good man. Like, how, how does then the psychology of that? come into play when you know the person that you're fighting against is it's probably got he's probably a little bit quicker or a little bit stronger or you know how 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 does that actually relate to to business in a sense so when you're coming up against those kind of challenges where you think it's you know um could possibly uh yeah be too big for you or, or too much of that yeah I, I think this is it's a really good question no, no one's ever asked me that it's a really good question i think the big thing within boxing, what it teaches you is you have to, you have to already go and believe you were going to win, right? If you're, if you're going in there and already starting to size the other guy up and sort of have these doubts, then ultimately you're in the wrong sport. And it's the same for me. I don't look at these big brands and think, 
oh my God, how am I going to get to that point? You know, it's, it's the case of when, you know, not if. In my head, I'm already there. You know, in, in my head, I'm already going through the motions and getting to that point. So it, it all comes down to the actual mindset, you know, both both in the ring and in and in business. You know, if, if, if you're looking, if, you have, if you've got these doubts, the doubts are great, right? It challenges you. It puts the pressure on. I perform way better under pressure when I'm worrying about certain stuff. But I have to believe that I'm, I'm going to get to that point. I want to get to I'm going to get that win, right? Yeah. If I don't believe that, I genuinely believe it, and I'm just saying it for the sake of it, then it's not going to happen. Because ultimately, it's going to get too hard in, in the same way in the ring, right? It's, it's going to get too hard. You, know, you, you, can say, you can say, oh, okay, I've been telling myself now I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to win this fight, but ultimately, I don't really believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, when shit hits the fan when you're in the ring, that's when it's all going to show. You know, because it's easy to show, you know, put on a brave face in training camp, you know, or even to your staff or, you know, to other people in business. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, you, ever, you really have to believe that. Because otherwise, the pain is going to be too hard. You're yeah. not going to cope with it. Yes, so so relatable. That's it. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I am a creative person, so I probably will just come out with some, some quite philosophical questions. But it's. I just see there's so much parallel between that. Literally, because sometimes you know when I'm when I'm running Black Pants Project, I'm like, this is quite. It's quite overwhelming because people people you know are coming to you with their problems or whatever it is that they're trying to overcome, and like you're trying to overcome your daily problems growing pain as well so it's almost like I'm, I'm thinking about what you're saying i'm like that psychology that kind of tunnel vision to know where you're going must must play a part um in in that arena um but also in the entrepreneurial space as well um so i was going to ask how do you kind of manage your like days then so how big is your team at the moment and how did you get to that point where you actually started to to build a team? I guess to to yeah yeah go through that growing um uh, go through that growing uh, stage. Yeah. Um. So I mean, the, the team right now is I mean, actually your your first question about how do I structure my day and time and so on. Like I'm I'm so this, boxing taught me this right. Boxing you follow such a strict schedule. Um. With how you set your training, your diet, especially when you're in camp, right? My my day's no different, so I'm I'm so regimented. I don't even need to look at my calories. How you right? So it's four a.m. wake up, okay. By four fifteen, and you know I've got a list of things I do, and people can take what they will from them. But I've, I've tried different things over the years to try and see what works for me, right? And I've taken from it's not stuff I've just invented; it's stuff that I've heard from other people. First three things I do when I wake up is write down three things that I'm grateful for. Um, I then write down three things that I'm planning on do, doing for that day. So big goals I'm trying to achieve. And finally, write down three affirmations. You know? And actually, that's a that's a daily thing. So daily, you'll say every day, every day. It takes me five minutes to do it. So that's uh, four fifteen to four twenty. Um, following that, I'll meditate. I meditate for about twenty. Well, I meditate four twenty minutes. Um, about just just after four twenty five. I have a little bit of a break. Walk around, make a coffee. Um, I meditate for twenty minutes. And I do this twice a day, by the way. The meditation. It's called uh, transcendental meditation. So I've tried different types of meditation. Okay. It's called yeah, transcendental, um, and it's and you know the reason why I'm doing that actually just to give you some context of why I'm doing the rituals at the start. You know, starting the day off on a positive note, just reminding yourself what you're grateful for and you know how far you've come. It, it's a great tone to start the day versus just trying to you know go through your emails, check your social media. Is it's often very negative, especially my email. You know, I'll, I'll wake up to so many dozen problems when I'm about to fix this. <laughs> Basically, a firefighter. So it's, it's very important, but. Um, Following the um, meditation, I go into just general wishy-washy work, you know, so I'll be looking at emails after that. Um, I'll train then, I'll go to the gym for 6.30, I'll train for 45 minutes, I'll then do a 10-minute swim, yeah, I'll just smash out a little lumps, jump in the sauna, cold shower, and I get to the office for about 7 o'clock. Um, sorry, I get to the office for about 7.30. 8 o'clock is book club, so in the office we have all the music shuts down, the reason why the music shutting down is important is because it's like a nightclub um, at the office. There's music blaring 24 hours of the day. Um, but eight, eight o'clock is book club, so we have a school book club. We have all of our staff. Most of the staff will come in. We pay for the literature and essentially just learning time. So we're learning about our role, about departments, you know, even self improvement. Um, normal working day um, nine can finish anywhere about I don't know eight, nine, seven. Um, it, it varies, right? Each day. Um, I'll finish off with writing down three things that went great about the day and then three things that went bad. 
that could have been improved. I then write my journal. It takes me about 20 minutes. Um, and I'm just a big, big advocate for journaling. Um, yeah, typically I find any problem that I've got, that I've sort of, you know, I look through my calendar, write down the things that sort of I struggled with, and I'll, I'll typically find a solution. You know, just kind of get in your own head and think the process of typing things out, it forces you to rationalize the problem that you've got because you can think, at, you know, a million miles an hour and you've got so, you know, you could give me a problem right now, my brain will be ticking in so many directions. It's hard for me to really focus, but trying to focus on a problem through text, you know, or even writing handwritten, it's so powerful, you know, it's so underrated. So even, you know, the team sometimes will come to me with problems they've got and I'll just say, have you journaled it? Yeah. You know, and I'll just send them to a coffee shop and say, look, tell yourself the problem and try and solve it and come back to me. You know, the answer's within you. And they come back nine times out of 10, they find a solution. You know, it's just that when you're in the hustle and bustle of your head, it's very easy, you know, looking around to get distracted and almost let emotions get, get into it. But when you're journaling, that all goes away. If you haven't got time to like whine and, you know, cry that you actually, let's try and use this time to be productive. Um, so that's the day. I hope you listeners, I hope, I hope you listeners are, are taking note of this because these are some gems and I'm actually so glad that I'm recording this myself because I'm going to go and listen back because that, <laughs> what you just dropped there, what you just dropped there. I mean, it just, just the thought, cause I get up quite early as well, but for me, sometimes it just feels like a chore, but the way you've just mentioned it in terms of like the structure, but also the flexibility within that structure. Like I've never had it broke down like that before. It's it's like everything, everything has its purpose. It's not just like you're doing random things. You're, you've put these things in place because you know, okay, if I get this meditation in now, it's all going to benefit me later on in the day or, or, yeah. Well, the next day. So I just, I just love everything you've just, just said really. And I'm looking forward to listening back to it so I can start implementing <laughs> some of that stuff. Yeah. This is, the, the key is that it's not, this won't work for everyone. Now I've tried so many other things in terms of daily rituals that just weren't, they weren't realistic for me to sort of, you know, I, I'm, because I'm so disciplined, like you tell me, right, Ben, try this, 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 I'll try it and I'll try it consistently for some time. Right. But you also have to be self-aware enough to know what works for you and what doesn't work. I know so many successful people who don't meditate or who don't journal or don't wake up early or who don't go to the gym, you know, it's, so it's about finding what works for you, you know, and having, you know, taking your ego out of it enough to say, actually, this might be, this might sound like it's good or, you know, even vice versa, you know, being aware enough to know, okay, do I need to get more structure in the day that's going to help X, Y, and Z, mm. you know, it's me, there's a logic, behind, as you said, there's a logic behind it, you know, with the meditation, it allows me to be calm in certain situations, helps from the sleep. Um, and it's just kind of like a me, me time. And when you can get into, if you want to, people want to research transcendental meditation, when you can get into a transcendental state, it's so bliss, so, so bliss. And yeah, again, it, it really does help. And so are there, are there ever times where you've, I don't know, where something's kind of, you, you haven't been able to do something in the day. So. So you have your, your structure, but maybe something's happened and it's like throwing the, oh, the... All, all, all the time. Right. And in fact, maybe another bit of good advice, right? That when I, when I made the switch from having to do lists to actually scheduling, so I actually use my outlook calendar and saying, you know, planning at the start of the week, so every Sunday, again, for context is the same sort of rituals I've just broken up, but a little bit more elongated in terms of goal setting. Um, it's like a big fucking, I can't even miss this one, big one. I read my goals twice a day. Okay. So we've got our goals for the year. We've got our goals for the quarter and for the month and personal goals, goals for the week, which I set on a Sunday. I'll read them twice daily. You know, and it just reminds me again, what we're going after. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, in terms of structuring it, like making sure things don't sort of follow over. When I used to have a to-do list, um, I used to use a Kanban view on Trello. That's when things always used to just get, you know, end of the day would come and the things that weren't that much of a priority didn't get done, I had this constant backlog, right? And it was very inefficient and also very demotivating when you get to the end of the day and you do to-do lists as it hasn't been done. When I made the switch to scheduling through Outlook and actually at the start of the week saying, right, this is going to be for this, you know, this time I'm designating is going to be for this project, next one for next one. Um, then it made it so much easier. But listen, I'm not the finished article, like even, even month on month on, I'll change how I'm doing things. And it's just again about like recognizing, is this the right way to do it? Like, Good example, you know, I scheduled to do things and I do it, but it just wasn't enough time. So I was rushing it and have enough headspace to actually get into the job. Um, so listen, it's again, take what you will from what I'm saying, but it's, it's not going to work for everyone. But at the same time, you just need to be self-aware enough to understand 
and sort of reflect on what is working and what isn't working. Absolutely. And um, so in that vein then, what are the things that you enjoy doing most about your work and what are the things that take up a lot of time or or maybe are your preferred things to do when they're important? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, the, the things I enjoy the most is going to be the product engineering. Mm. Uh, so when I say engineering, I'm talking about the actual equipment that we're launching. I mean, I said product engineering, but if you go on the website, we really sell hand wraps and knuckle guards, but we've got stuff we've been working on for four years now, over four years now, boxing gloves, bags, pads, going guards, and so on. Um, all patented, you know, it's all patented features, multiple patents on each product. That sort of stuff I really enjoy. I enjoy the product power design um, and enjoy the partnerships element. Um, outside of that, you know, I mean, listen, I, I'm responsible for the company, right? So it's, I try not to think dwell too much on why doing enjoy what I don't enjoy. It's more about what, you know, what energizes me. For instance, I'm doing a lot of work at the moment with all the departments, um, with this new sort of management structure and, you know, I'm working in departments, which previously I thought I didn't have an interest in, but I've, because we've got this new structure, I've, I'm energized now, you know, cause I can see the value of me putting this work in and how it's going to help these departments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it varies, but without a doubt, engineering design and then partnerships, you know, dealing with the actual boxes. Yeah. How do you, so how do you go about, um, I'm going to ask this question, then I'm going to go back to how you actually went from, because I saw a couple of things on your uh, your IG where you were just drawing like little designs about what you wanted the box rule logo to. Logo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so how, how did you go from like that stage where you were literally just trying to conceptualize this thing to now obviously having boxes like Javante, you know, Wilder, all these guys you know, pioneers of the sport, how, how did you, yeah. How did you leverage those relationships, you know, coming up? Yeah. I mean, I was very lucky and fortunate that the time, the, the timing was key, right? It's ultimately timing. We started just over four years ago, um, when Instagram, the boxing community wasn't that big. We launched and then you know, the other big Instagram, Ryan Garcia is a perfect example, right? Yeah. We had, first of all, we had, I think 18 months of pre-launch marketing because it just took me that long to launch the brand. Um, I was so naive in how long I thought it would take, but when we launched, we had about 20,000 followers. Ryan Garcia probably had thereabouts the same. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy back then to go into the DM of a boxer and message them. And this is essentially what we did, you know, that, that, that model you can't use, you can still use it, but it's just, you know, the chance of getting picked up are very low. The boxer at that time wasn't that big through socials. You know, it was more things like weightlifting, which were starting to gain popularity. Um, in the space, boxing wasn't that big there. So I'd messaged them, you know, very candidly, um, and just build the re- re- relationships authentically, man, you know, got to know them, send them the gear, they love the gear. Um, and it just sort of, you know, the product spoke for itself, you know, we didn't have to pay. We still haven't paid to date, you know, penny, any influencer, boxer, you know, endorsements, you know, the guys you see wearing it away because they want to wear it. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just you know, the products very good quality you know it's better than I mean, anything else out, that's out there that's life for life you know i'm not just saying that and you know the, the, the proof is in the pudding we we don't have to pay some of the biggest celebrities rappers boxers in the yeah. world to wear it yet they still you know they either wear it from us gifting it or their customers yeah 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 and that's 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 so like it's strange to hear that but it's 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 a testament to to your product of course but it's so strange to hear that you haven't like kind of like forced that relationship. You've actually believed so much in your product that you're like, well, if you know, if we gift this, then we know people are going to wear it. We know that, why well, you know that you know this is what boxers want because you're coming from that sport yourself. So you just know, you know, what wasn't there, and you've kind of you've really just filled that need and it's 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 just amazing yeah i, I think you know the other thing as well is that you know back back then when i first started i was just me running the social um accounts, you know, so it, i mean still to this day it's you know i've still feed into the social team in some direction but you know even back then it was so authentic to the sport boxers could relate to it you know the certain the, the lingo that i used i, I could speak to them you know it's like okay this is legit this isn't just a another clothing company that's popping up yeah, that's just trying to see products. So like, there's an actual purpose behind what we're doing. And then, so as the <clears throat> excuse me, as the brand is growing, then how much of 
you is still at the forefront of it then so because of course when as it grows you know more people get involved of course you you hire them on the basis that they share the same value and things like that but how important is it at times to maybe let go of because you just mentioned about all the different departments how how difficult was it for you then it's so hard so hard um especially when it comes to things to do with creativity you know when it came to things like customer service and the warehouse packing, picking and packing, it was like, okay, I, I can trust someone to do this if I give them the right direction. But when it comes to things that are so unique to me and the brand, which is the brand voice, you know, the product design, um, dealing with the boxes and so on, it, it was super, super hard. But it, it was also quite simple, you know, when it came to, as I said, I was a year and a, one, year and a half as a one-man band. Um, the first time I was my best friend, um, Party, who's in our partnerships director um, uh, uh, over here. Um, and he started off with, you know, business starts to take off a year and a half in, you know, didn't even pay myself. In fact, I had another business running on the side of Castel's business, which was funding Box Raw. You know, we, we wasn't able, my brother was running that while I was building Box Raw up. Um, and then all the money we, we made from the Castel's business, we put into this business. So it, it just got to the point whereby orders started to really take off a year and a half in. So really to take off, but more enough for, well, not to, too much that one person couldn't handle on their own, right? Um, so for, the first thing was he would take over the uh, picking and packing, which was in the garage at the time. Um, next one, Isaac then moved over, my brother from the car sales business, and he took over the customer service because it just started to take up too much time. And the next one was the graphic designer, Nathan, who's our digital director. And he was a Coventry University intern, um, came in just as a graphic design student to help out with building our emails for us on Photoshop um because i didn't have time to do that so it's very much a logical process of right where where's my time best spent where i had the most value and what can i now bring someone else you know um to help with it's a little bit different now because now i'm not i don't have every touch point so now it's very much the need of business what does the business need where can we forecast more growth if we have this new head in this space mm-hmm. you know so hiring is challenging in the early days and, and think more so around cash flow right it's just in terms of cash flow like we touched earlier about, you know, it's great. You can send the product with confidence. The reality is I didn't have any money to pay the influencer or pay the boxer. Yeah. You know, it was my only rational, logical step. Um, and yeah, then the hiring now, it's, it's um, yeah, it's just a case of trying to fill roles in areas of the business we recognize, you know, need growth, essentially. Um, and it's a challenge, man. It is a, it's a challenge. You know, we've grown, you know, at a fairly decent rate since launching yeah. Um, we've got 48 staff now, you know, this time last year we had about 20 something, you know, um, full time, full time staff as well. Yeah. Yeah. They split, you know, we've only got, we've got 25 or so in the Coventry office. Um, I think 25 in the Coventry office, about 28 totally in the UK. Um, and the rest split between USA, um, Philippines and Pakistan. Oh, wow. Quite a global team. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you. Is your role currently founder CEO at the moment? Yes, correct. Yeah. So, who, who, what kind of, who's your like touch point, your main touch point? Um, say you needed a little bit of advice or you weren't quite sure about something. Who's like the number one person you go to? Like, do you have a? It really, it really varies, right? Because people's skill sets are different, right? I mean, the leadership, but leadership team first and foremost, they're my sounding board and everything, right? But so we're so open and transparent. So they're my number one when it's something that they don't necessarily have the experience for. I've got different, I've got mentors, I've got friends, you know, that I'll go to for certain bits of advice. You know, I've got, I've got a very good network around me. You know, people that really want to see me win as well. You know, they're very supportive yeah, yeah. And from the start on the journey. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. In fact, it was one of the things I wrote down this morning, you know, just the network that I've got, you know, it's just that there's so much love that I get from yeah. people. And I think finding those people, you know, is key because if you think that you have all the answers or you know all the answers, then you've got no hope in hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> the reality is, listen, I don't know shit about shit, you know, honestly. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I kind of find it weird when people gasp me up. It's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying, man. I'm just trying to do my best, mm. you know. Well, best, yeah, best are based on, you know, the, the advice that you're given and you clearly, you clearly, it seems like you're, you're like a sponge. I think maybe that being involved in boxing for so, such an early age and that discipline just helps you yeah. on how to listen and, and find the right people. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, you know, Black Pants Project is a, is a mentorship organization. You know, we're, 
we're set up to to provide mentors to to uh, black and diverse business owners because I think sometimes the the concept of mentorship is is often overlooked as something that is like for people who don't know what they're doing. But um, you know, how important would you would you say mentorship is for you? Man, it's so important. Listen, when when you've got somebody who is who supports your vision and has no ulterior motive mm. in in the advice that they give you, because everything is right. You can get advice from certain. I've done this time and time again. You know, I keep making the same mistake. You get advice from certain people in certain positions whereby they can benefit from the advice they give you, mm. so they almost lead a wrong a wrong track. Um, but, but when you get a mentor that's purely just has your own best interest at heart, then it's a win, right? Now, it's not necessarily you always need to take the exact advice to give you, but they'll always give you some sort of idea or spark something. You know, I've been giving advice from some mentors and it's, they've made a point of view that's made me recognize that I'm actually right, you know, and that they, they, they were still wrong, you know? Yeah. But it's, when you have that sounding board, that's how magic happens, right? And you can't, it's, it's, it's hard to get that with just the people that you work with. So when you've got someone that's been there and done it, you know, again, I've, I've got a mentor, Andy, who completely different type of business, right? But he's, he's got a big business with lots of staff. So he's very good at people management and understanding processes, operations, things like that. You know, I wouldn't go to him for advice on, does this campaign look good? Do you like this product, right? Mm-hmm. It's understanding where your blind spots are, weaknesses, uh, where you don't necessarily have the experience and trying to leverage that from somebody else. I hear that, I hear that. Um, and and a lot, I went, I went to a networking event today and a lot of people say they, they do have, a lot of the like, really successful CEOs, they have several mentors and they also say that there comes a point where sometimes you might outgrow, you know, that mentor for that particular time. Um, but then you, you find people who are suitable for where you're at now. And, um, so, I mean, for you, do you kind of, do you look for mentors or do they just happen? At the start, I did a lot. I mean, now I'm now, unfortunately enough, I've got, you know, I've got a very solid network and I was simply just ask a friend, you know, or I'll ask somebody in my network, you know, do you know anyone that can advise on this? You know, and I'll get introduced to somebody. Um, but in the early days, yeah, it, it was big for me. It was a struggle, you know, it was a struggle because starting out, I, I mean, I give my time now to kids who want to get mental, but I have to, you have to get an introduction from somebody. Like, so you get, you know, I get messages from certain people who say, oh, can you help me with this? Like, I help them to a degree for Instagram, you know, through a DM. But past that point, it becomes, it becomes hard to manage all of that. So trying to get an introduction, trying to get mental, you know, the project you guys are going on, perfect way to get mental. Because otherwise it's hard, especially to get people that actually have the knowledge. Yeah. You have to protect your time as well, don't you? Exactly. It's hard, you know, like, you know, I'd love to try and help everyone I can, but the reality is, is I haven't got that many hours in a day. I was going to, I mean, I was going to say as well, because I, I imagine your LinkedIn, you must be getting crazy amounts of DMs on there. Um, how do you select like who you're, who who i mean i'll probably just ask you know how did what made you speak to me because i'm sure there's probably lots of people that message you again that just came from 35 under 30 but look i've got about 1800 linkedin requests i don't accept anyone (laughs) the the problem is it's such a cd platform everyone's hey man we'd like to improve your business and i have another thing is at the time i used to i i I took the bait right because i was like oh i'm just getting up this person really know me and you just realize it's just, uh, <laughs> I mean, my personal experience, I wouldn't reach out to some, this. If you reach out to me saying, Ben, can I mentor you? Yeah. Can you mentor me on LinkedIn? I'd ignore it, right? Because you just get so much of it and people got so, many, so much of an ulterior motive. Whereas if it came from introduction, I'd be completely cool with it. And the reason why we connected, I think it was because of that 35 into 35. Yeah. Is that that's fair. I thought, okay, fine. There's, there's a connection there. You know, I'm happy to make that. But otherwise, it's a no, man, for me anyway. I hear you that. I hear that. I mean, it must be. I mean, I get it myself, so I I know I feel your pain, man. But um, I was gonna say then. So for you, um, just just in the interest of time. So for you, what is your ultimate ambition for yourself, and then your business as well? So I I don't know if they're they're synonymous, but are there ultimate ambition? Like, it, it, it comes back to the vision, right? I really want to be the reason why the world got into boxing. Like, it's not a statement that I take lightly. I, I fully recognize the notion of saying, we're going to be the reason why the world got into boxing. I mean, Ben, you can probably get 75% of the world population into boxing, but not 100% of the population. Well, no, I actually believe that I can. You know, they start with things like getting into school and boxing back into schools. And we're working on programs to try and bring boxing back into schools. We do programs with our charity, Boxing as well, which does programs with, you know, different disadvantaged schools you know the charity boxing is of itself 
you know, we can't say we're here to be the reason why the world going to boxing and then disregard a third of the world's population who don't have access to the sport. It's so inauthentic, right? We are here to be the reason why the world going to boxing. So we've got this charity, you know, we're building boxing gyms across the third world. First one's been built in Liberia. We went over the community projects, you know, in places where they don't have access to that, or they, they never will have access. And it's not just about, you know, we don't say we want every kid to become a world champion. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's about setting that mindset, those principles around discipline, mindfulness, love. You know, if we can do that, we can change the world, period. Okay. Kids will be way less aggressive in school. They'll have something to focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be more mindful. They'll be more caring for one another. There'll be a mutual respect between, you know, the, the people you get into the boxing gym with, because you know the torture is, you know, and it's not about competing. You know? It's knowing the torture, the training It's a full body workout, you know, it's a win-win. That's, that's my ultimate ambition, right? Is that measurable? No, it's tricky, you know, to say what's the ambition with the business. I don't, I don't have an exit plan. I don't have an exit plan. This is a, this is a, such a big passion of mine, you know, yeah. I want to compete with the big boys. Okay. If we want to add some tangible notion to the, you know, the idea of the, what this ambition is, I want to compete with the big boys. Yeah. I want to, I'm, I'm doing, I'm creating a billion dollar company. Yeah. Okay. First ambition is enjoy the journey, man. Like, enjoy the journey. I've got my own personal goals. As I said, you know, one of them is to write a New York Times bestseller one day. Mm. Wants to go to space. You know, I've got personal goals. I want to go to space. Oh, mate, I'm a, mate, my passion outside of boxing and business, that much you passion as well, is space. I love learning about space. Yeah. Love learning about it. I find it so interesting. I don't know what, but the business that would happen after box raw, if there is ever an after box raw, would be something to do with space. The only boxing thing that. Space, boxing in space, raw. Yeah. <laughs> Space rule. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm afraid about that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I want more props for that one because that. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I mean, just just hearing your passion and your, your <clears throat> um, you know, your the why you're doing this. It's it's very much as you say. You want the world to get into boxing, but it's not about just getting people into fighting. No, it's about getting people to understand that mindset and the discipline and and helping young people to um you know be able to channel that their energetic propensities really and and do something positive because you know we're, we're living in a world unfortunately you know there's a lot of crime um particularly in the midlands at the moment and and you know from what you're saying if we could really channel those young people into things like entrepreneurship things like you know, having a space to, to use some of that energy and, and, you know, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we want that, you know, um, 100%. So just on the final point and just for our entrepreneurial, um, listeners, uh, if there is someone that is starting out their business, maybe it's a clothing brand, maybe it's some kind of tech company, or they've just got this really burning desire to, to do this company. How, what are the, what are kind of three tips you would give them to know whether this is a viable, uh, business option, because it's, it might be, you know, that they're leading with their passion, but how do they know that it's, that it's viable? Um, cause that's one yeah. thing that we get asked quite a lot. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. How do you know it's viable? I mean, the, the first, you know, big advice, first one is find the why. Okay. If you, if you want to start a clothing brand, there needs to be an actual why associated with that, right? People don't, there's a very famous, if you haven't watched it, any of the listeners, there's a, there's a uh, video on YouTube called um, The Golden Circle. It's a TED Talk. It's one of the top five all-time watched TED Talks, right? But it's about people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, okay? The why needs to be stronger than the what. You can't just go out in a saturated market and just launch a clothing brand, right? People need to know what they're resonating with, you know? And it's not, people don't buy products. You know, they buy the rationale behind it, and the, and which brings around the second point: the problem you're solving. You know, the second point is launching a business. Like, what problem are you trying to solve? You can't just go in there trying to make some money. Okay, and you see, for me, the problem was it wasn't a brand that represented boxing. You know? Yeah, the vision wasn't let's launch a boxing clothing brand. Mm-hmm. Problem, the problem that I had was that there wasn't one. Okay, that represents it. That's why I did it. Okay, and I think the third thing is that you just need to be persistent. You need to be persistent because it's so hard in the early days, you know, getting going. There's times when I, you know, I remember once party, our first tire, probably about a year in, maybe a little bit less. I remember we were driving to a chicken shop, I remember so specifically, and sales were just shit. They were terrible. We were making, I don't know, 10 orders a month, you know, something like that. It, it, it wasn't sustainable. I'd gone from making 
We had 1.2 million in my second year of doing the car sales business at the age of 22. Okay, so I went from doing that sort of money to then box raw, making fuck all basically, right? And you know, he just he reminded no Ben, you know, we're onto something. You know, you're onto something. You know, keep with it. I believe in the brand. You know, this is having that network around you, but also yourself being persistent enough to just push forward through the crap that's going to happen. That is inevitable, and you never want to believe it. When I, you know, whenever I started any business. In the past, I went in there with the intention of this is going to work. But I'm going to keep working at it until it, you know, until it gets to that point. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the fourth uh, question: How do you? Or the the, the, the the second question: How do you? Um, how do you know when it's a viable business? Yeah. That's that's a really tricky one because I think for me it's just something instinctively where that's that's all I know. Right, my first business essentially was at the age of twelve. Right, so I just had that instinct to try and make something. You know. Um, and I, I didn't really care about failing, you know, for me, starting at a young age, and if you are young, what have you got to lose, man? What's your alternative to go work in a nine to five job and do the same shit every single day? Like people go to the age of 30 and start a business and are very successful, you know, 40, 50, but you've got time on your hands. Okay. So I do agree, you know, as you get older and people, you know, you have responsibilities, you have a wife, kids, so it makes it hard to make that leap. But if, leap, if you're young. Like, what's your alternative, man? Just do it. You know, stop stop being a pussy and just fucking go out and do it. <laughs> Seriously. Serious. Serious. Some people are just in an hour about doing the business. Like, okay, just don't do it then. Go carry on working where you're working and complain about all the shit, complain about the co-workers you boss. Like you, And that's that's a really good point. Do you do you have many of those people around you or do you li- Not anymore? No. But, but not no. anymore, man. Is that something you have? Yeah, all the time. And it's just just that negative energy, man. I've got to listen. I don't care if you own a business or if you're a school teacher. If you're a school teacher and you're passionate about it, we're going to get on. But if you if you come at me and you're moaning about your relationship, your job, then do something about it. You know, yeah. What more push do you need? It's just. But given and I get it, it's a hard jump to make when you get into that comfort zone of being in that nine to five doing something. You've got to save salary. It's hard to make that leap, but. What's the alternative? Yeah, it start. It's starting. So it, you know, if there are people in that in that nine to five scenario where they don't really like the job, they want to do something else, but they they don't know. Like you say, it's that mental barrier of not knowing when to leave and what. I mean, I've I've got. I think most entrepreneurs have an experience where they've been working some kind of job and they've just thought, you know, what I can't do this anymore. But you know. Just should that person like start doing something on the side or should they literally just take that leap and say, well, I mean, this is entirely subjective, entirely your Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a perfect example of this, right? I had the car sales business. So when I was doing the car sales business from the age of 22 to I think 25, through that period, I was working on other businesses. I was trying to get off the ground, the mobile phone app being one. So we spent a year working on the mobile phone app while I was also working on the car sales business. Then... A year into our brother and took over on his own. He was running that. Um, they didn't work. I went back into the car sales business, started boxwood straight away. I wasn't I didn't stop what I was doing. I was utilizing my evenings. Now, this is the big thing that people don't understand. It's the you need to be a hustler, man. Yeah. But I had a friend recently from uni who I was talking to with about business. You know, she was it was a great business. I really liked it. And then she got another job somewhere. She started oh, out the time. I'm like, look at the evenings, you know? You've got time. Like you got time on your side when you're young. I'm, you know, nowadays it's frowned upon to say, you know, just just sleep less. But in the early days, you have to. Okay, I'm a big advocate for mental health. I believe sleep is very important, and I can't I can't sustain what I was doing back then. But you have to put the hours in. You know, it's four four five hours a night I was sleeping. You know, sometimes less. You know, consistently with, with all the different businesses I was doing, because I recognise that here's the opportunity. But I also need to be doing what I'm doing on the side to be able to sustain. Okay, so. You will find the time. You will find a way if you really want to. It just about you know how bad you really do you really want that. And is it is it about also? I mean, what are your kind of hobbies outside of work? You know, do do some people need to come off Netflix a little bit more? Or you know, yeah. De- I mean, listen. When I was launching Box Raw, and I've I've had a big problem with this. I haven't really had any hobbies. My hobbies have been boxing and business, learning about space. Right. So I've watched documentaries things like that but all my time in the early days was only filled by work okay and i just recognized that listen where i come from people aren't supposed to do this and that's where i want to get to now i was just prepared to put those hours in you know back then it was the credits to like do long hours and 
people weren't that were aware about sleep, but for me, I can only speak from personal experience. I don't know any other way. That's how I did it. Okay. Now I'm all for it. I've had to start trying to find hobbies this, this year. I told myself, right. And he started taking at least one day off a week from work. I couldn't do it. You know, I could not find the hobby. I, I just got bored. I just wasted the day. I felt like a loser at the end of the day. And it's hard during lockdown as well, right? It's hard yeah. to see. And then a few months back, I've gone into longboarding. So I, and I have the longboard to the office and back each day and the weekends I'll go out. And it's just, I don't, I don't know why I enjoy this. I've never been into skating or anything. Um, and it, it, I just love it, you know? Um, so it's just, you, you try a few things. You know, I got back into drawing, um, got back into designing clothes. I like was spending a lot more time on it on Sundays. And so it wasn't, it wasn't making me tick, you know, I would prefer just to go think about work or do work. But I found my, I found my hobby now, which is, yeah, I just enjoy it. Yeah. Nah, cool, man. This um, won't keep you any longer. I know you've got such a busy schedule, but it's been right. absolutely fantastic speaking to you. Um, I am looking forward to listening to this back and then hearing all the gems that you've done. Um, well, actually, I'm going to ask you one more question. So if there is someone who is literally a young person they're in school um maybe in you know may have a little bit bit of trouble engaging with the curriculum or whatnot how important would you say it's to for them to find something it doesn't necessarily have to be boxing but to find something that that they are passionate about and what would you say to that young person yeah i mean you need to find what makes you tick right and you uh... If we look at all the people that are very successful in this world, whether it be rappers, footballers, you know, musicians, entertainers, and blah, 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 they've gotten to these, they're the best at what they do because they found their passion at a young age. You know, yes, you do get the anomaly who started at a late age and there's many, you know, elite level world champion boxers who started at the age of 18, right? They started at a young age, they found that passion and they made a career out of it. So using that as an example, it's incredibly, incredibly important. But what I will also say is for me at least, what education taught me was that it was just that work ethic in terms of like following a strict schedule to then get the results. I, I wasn't the smart kid, but I still came out with pretty much all A's, but not because I'm not naturally smart, right? But I had the work ethic and I think boxing taught me that, you know, just right. I'm going to set set amount of hours to do this topic, this topic, this topic. That's all I did, right? So I think it's at that young age. It's hard, right? Cause you don't recognize it at that age. Yeah. But understanding that what you do now is really going to define what you do in the future. Yeah. And although you have time, the time is now to get your shit together yeah knuckle down now i really really appreciate you coming on and, and giving up your time to speak to us and um if the, uh do you have any handles that you'd like to plug or do you would you prefer people just go to your box? yeah check out i mean this I've, I've only just gone public on instagram um recently but i mean box raw account is b-o-x-r-a-w the main instagram personals ben dot amana um on instagram yeah man Amazing. And no spam messages, guys, if you yeah, people... <laughs> nah, 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 listen, people, people say they listen to this and they want to chat this and I'm open. No, I, I do give people time. You know, I, I do give people time. Um, because you get this from a person that's, you know, can we do this or, you know, can you design this or can you send me your tech pack or can you tell me your supply? I'm like, well, come on, do the work. <laughs> yeah. If, if you me a question, man, listen, I'm always, I'm always open. No, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much again. And I know we'll keep you on touch. Um, guys, until next time, peace and love. Take care. Thank you, man.